Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. talking about words that move heaven. This is lesson two. Words that move heaven. And if you weren't with us last week, a quick review. We're talking about the fact that this life that we live is a fight, but it's a fight of faith. It's a fight that we fight, not with weapons like swords and spears and bows and grenades and all that. It's words. It's a fight with words. That's what faith is all about, speaking words. We also saw the fact that Gabriel in Daniel chapter 10 came for the words that Daniel spoke. Did you hear that? He, he appears to Daniel and says to Daniel, Daniel, I'm come for your words. The moment those words left your lips, I was dispatched from heaven on an assignment to bring to you what you need to know. But the prince of Persia interfered with me and started fighting with me. And Michael had to come along and release me to go. But I want you to know, Daniel, I have come for your words. Isn't that something? Isn't that powerful? A man on earth praying, seeking the face of God, and an angel appears and says, I've come for your words. That's pretty good, wouldn't you say? But you know what? He'll come for your words, too. Our words are important. And then we talked about how David defeated Goliath. If you ask someone, they'll say, yeah, he used stones. No, he used words. Goliath said, you're just a little, little boy, and you're coming at me with a stick, but I'm going to just destroy you. But David said, oh, no, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a shield. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, who will this day deliver you into my hand. I'm going to cut your head off, and I'm going to deliver all the carcasses of the, of, of the Philistines to the fowls of the air. They both spoke some powerful words. Whose words won out? David's did. Amen? This young boy, 13 to 15 years old, talking like that. The whole army, the whole Israeli army wouldn't do it. What does that tell you? The minority isn't always wrong. The majority was wrong. They were all wrong. They wouldn't fight. But David said... My God's bigger than all this, bigger than him. That's an attitude of faith that God wants to impart to us, have us develop in our lives, that we see him as David did. Then we talked about when we approach God, we're to approach him with words. He tells us to bring words that he spoke to him. We're justified by our words. We are judged or condemned by our words. We talked about that. We said that our words can move mountains, Mark eleven twenty three, 23. He said, speak to your mountain. Our words can resist the devil, resist him with your faith. Your faith involves what you believe in your heart and what you say with your mouth. That's your words. We bind and we loose with words. 
If you're going to bind the activities of the kingdom of darkness, you've got to use words to do so. I bind you in the name of the Lord Jesus. So words that we speak are absolutely important. And finally, and this is so critical, he says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the foot. <laughs> death and life are in the power of the politician. Death and life are in the power of nuclear forces. Death and life are in the power of the what? The what? The tongue. It's in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You ready for this? Our words that we speak can move heaven in a positive way or a negative way. It's true. And we're going to eat the fruit of our words. Eventually, we eat the fruit of our words. Look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 28. Make sure that you put this somewhere, highlight it in your Bible, and we're going to show this whole experience. You cannot teach this message without teaching this experience. Say unto them, this is God speaking, say to who? The children of Israel. Say what? As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Now, if that was all my five, 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 and a half, uh, five foot, five and a half frame saying that to you, you might say, oh, really? But that is the king of kings. That's the Lord of lords. That's the creator of the universe. That's the God who brought all this into being. And he says to us, as you spoke in my ears, that I will do to you. You think he could back up that statement? The rest of you don't. Can he back up that statement? Absolutely he can. So as you spoke in my ears, so will I do to you. So the words we speak can move heaven in a negative way or in a positive way. But it's not magical like so many people think. Look at the book of Joshua, chapter 14. This experience of them entering to the promised land, you've got to study this to know the depth of this teaching. And trust me, you're not going to get this because you hear it one time. You're going to have to study it. Pour over it, mull it, meditate it, think about it over and over and over until it impacts your life and my life in a powerful and positive way. Okay, look at these verses. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word as it again, as it was where in my heart. Okay, that's Caleb speaking. Look at the next verse eight. Nevertheless. My brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Notice we have two groups here. You've got the 10 spies that spied out the promised land. You've got the two spies that spied out the promised land. And they both came back with a different report. Now, we know that the 10 spies came back with a, an evil report. And as a result of the evil report, they ate the fruit of their words, which were not really, it wasn't very good. But the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, they came back with a report that was in their heart that differed from the ten spies. And we know they moved heaven in a positive way. So the ten moved heaven in a negative way, and the two moved heaven in a positive way. 
Now we're going to rewind and go all the way back to the book of uh, Numbers chapter 13, and we're going to highlight some things here to show us exactly how this unfolded. We're going to unpack it in such a way so that we can see that it's not something that's just magical. You don't just fall into this or come across this lightly. Study it for yourself. I've talked to so many people that say, oh, you're a bunch of those name it, claim it people, blab it, rabbit people. No, 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 no. You don't. You have no clue. Mm -mm. If that's what you see, if that's what you think that I'm telling you right now, you're misled. If you can read what I'm about to share with you today and study this out and see how true it really is and then still walk away with that, then there's something wrong. You better get on your face and pray for, for, before God for him to give you a revelation and understanding of what is really being taught here and why it's being taught. This is one of the most important teachings that there is in all the Bible. They came out of Egypt and they're going to the promised land. We come out of darkness into the light of God's kingdom. And that's what this is a type of. And we see how they didn't get in under Moses and how they did get in under Joshua. And that's exactly what we want to learn and that's what we need to know. Do we want to be left on the outside or do we want to be on the inside? I want to be on the inside. What about you? All right. In Numbers chapter 13, look at verse 27. So we're going to highlight this. And they told him and said, we came unto the land. This is the 12 spies. Whether thou sentest us and surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. God told them that. And they came back and they said, yep, he's right. God is right. It flows with milk and honey. If you do a study on this, you'll find out that when they carried the grapes out, they had to have a long pole and they would carry it on their shoulders. The grapes were so big that it was unbelievable, unthinkable. Imagine that. That's the fruit of the land, a land that flows with milk and honey. In other words, there's anything and everything that you could possibly want and desire there. But look at the next verse. Nevertheless, that's where it starts. Nevertheless. Well, nevertheless, what? The people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Now, everything they said there was called the natural physical report. And it was all true. There's nothing wrong with the natural report. There's nothing wrong with echoing or saying or repeating what is true in the natural world. Yes, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. And yes, they're strong uh, people that are there. The inhabitants are strong. They're giants. And yes, the walls are thick and fortified and penetrable. Yes, all that is true. Right? Look at verse 30. Here, Caleb comes along. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said... Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. What did Caleb say? Caleb, are you on something? Really? See, Caleb knew the direction this was going in. He knew those ten spies were in unbelief and doubt. He knew they were going to try to influence the people to side with them the 10 spies. So he tries to calm them down. I want you to notice something here. He didn't say to them, you shouldn't talk words of doubt and unbelief. Watch those words that come out of your mouth. He didn't do that, did he? He didn't put them down for anything like that. You know what he said? He tried to build faith in them. He said, we're well able to take it. No matter what you see, we are well able to take it. 
Say it with me. I'm well able when God's on my side. You see that? That's what he was saying. We're well able to take it. Look at the next verse, verse 31 through 33. Look at, look at how they responded. But the men that went up with him said, I want you to notice the word said and saying in these verses. Said what? We be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we and they brought up an evil report. The evil report is not the natural report. The evil report is not in stating that, oh, there's, it's, it's a fruitful place. There's giants there. There's walls that are city walls that are thick and impenetrable. That's not the evil report. That's the natural report. But they went on to say that we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up a what? See, the evil report is by saying, yes, the natural report is greater than God's report. We're not able to do this. And they brought up an evil report against the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, here it is, they said, and now they're saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. Whoa. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Isn't it a shame God didn't know this? And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Now, this is called the evil report. The natural report says, I'm having a difficulty with my finances. The natural report says, mm, my physical body is being challenged. The natural report says, my emotions are kind of running away with me. The natural report says, I'm not as strong as somebody else. But, glory to God, the natural report may be a natural report. The evil report says, they say, I'm sick and I'm, I just can't get better. It says, my finances are maybe in trouble, but you know what? I just can't get my needs met. That's the evil report. What's, why is that an evil report? Because God says, I supply all your need according unto my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Because God said, I made provision for your health and well-being. Because God says, your emotions, as far as I'm concerned, I'll handle them. I'll take care of them for you if you look to me. I'm the glory and the lifter of your head. I will lift up your head in the time of your trouble. Encourage yourself in me. So you see, the evil report says, we can't do it. That's the evil report. And that's exactly what they said. This is too difficult. I'm not going to do it. Well, what they said with their mouths did what? It caused heaven to move in a very negative way. And you'll see this in a moment. But look at the next verse, chapter 14 and verse 1, 1 through 3. All the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured, spoke against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt or would God we had died in this wilderness. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us out uh, us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey. Were it not better for us to return to Egypt do you see the influence of these teachers, these leaders of the tribes of Israel? You want to talk about the importance of being in a leadership position? Each one was a leader of a tribe. Imagine only two of the 12 tribes had a leader that said, I believe God. Only two. 
But their tribes followed the influence of the other ten leaders who said, we can't do it. They're bigger. They're stronger. They're greater. They're mightier than we are. We're like grasshoppers in our sight, and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. So in other words, they had the sight of both. They had both sides. They saw it from both ends. We see ourselves as grasshoppers, and we know they see us as grasshoppers. And so in other words, we're going to be a prey. And rather than have our children to be destroyed by them, kidnapped by them, probably raped by them, and the list goes on and on, we should have just died in Egypt. That would have been better than, that, than coming here and let them do all that to us. That's what they were saying. Look at the next verse. You see, when you leave God out of the equation, this is what you come up with. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. In other words, let's do it our way. We'll do it our way. We're going to take another man. We're going to make him a captain. And we're going to follow his lead. We're going to go back. We're going to go back into Egypt. Or we could just, I guess, what, be under the, the hand of the Pharaoh and so on. You see, when you leave God out of the equation, then you're left to yourself. And when we come up, come up with our own ideas as to how we're going to solve this problem, we can get in a whole mess of trouble. And that's what they were doing. Now, look at the next verse, 5 through 9. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephana which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, now, words that move heaven, the land which we pass through to search, it is an exceeding good land, God told them that already, if the Lord delight in us, which we know he does, then he will bring us into this land. And give it us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only two things here. Rebel not ye against the Lord. Number one. Two. Neither fear ye the people of the land. For they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Once again. He's not putting them down. They're not putting them down for what they said. But they're saying look. There's something else you need to see here. Look at it from this perspective. We may be no match for the walled cities. We may be no match for the inhabitants of the land. But we want you to know that God is on our side. You need to know he's more than enough. You need to know he's bigger than all the giants. And those giants, we've got a chart. We've got a piece of paper out there in uh, the corner of, of the narthex area of our church. has all the emotional giants that keep people out of their promised land. Pick one up and look at it. It's not the Hittites. It's not the Amorites. It's not the Ivites. It's not the Jebusites. not all these ites. All those ites stand for a, an emotional condition in people's lives that keep them out of the promised land. Fear, worry, anxiety, low self-esteem etc., etc., will keep you out of the promised land. And so what they saw was defeat. What Joshua and Caleb saw was God's bigger than the problem. It's either the problem's bigger than God or God's bigger than the problem. And so that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to convince these people, letting them know their defense is departed from them. They are bread for us to eat, to feed on. And I don't understand why you don't want to move forward. Look at Joshua chapter 2. I want you to see something. This is a fast forward. We rewind, but this is a fast forward. You know how long, you know the distance between Numbers 13 and Joshua 2? It's 40 years. 
Isn't that something you could pick up your Bible and move 40 years in a moment? Isn't that great? Because you see, Joshua and Caleb said their defense has departed from them. There, you are looking at them like as if they see you as grasshoppers. You see yourself as grasshoppers. But you know what? They don't see you as grasshoppers. Their defense has departed from them. And I want to prove it to you. This is Rahab the harlot. This is 40 years later. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sion, and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord is your God. He is God in heaven above and earth beneath. Isn't it something that a harlot knows more than with all these people of Israel. Think about that for a moment. This was 40 years later, but what she was saying was 40 years before this, what took you, what route did you take to get here? Did you take Tusca when they were doing that thing down over here and couldn't get through? <laughs> what has taken you so long to get here? We conceded the land the moment we heard that you came out of Egypt. We heard that. We fainted. We gave up. We lost heart. It was your land just for the taking. And guess what? They were right there at the brink, right at the edge of the promised land. And they said, ah, we can't do this. We just can't do this because they're too big. Even though God said that he would send an angel before them, your words will engage angels. Our words will engage the ministry of angels to act on our behalf, to carry out the mission that God has for all of us. You realize that? And how do they get engaged? They hearken to the voice of God's word. Who gives voice to God's word? We give voice to God's word. And we make our declarations of faith and we do it in boldness, with boldness and courage before God. It enables them to do the bidding. God's bidding through our lives. Look at uh, verse 10. In verse 10, once Joshua and Caleb said, their defense is departed from them. God is on our side. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. All the congregation said, yes, let's do it, Josh. Come on, Caleb, let's put ourselves... No, 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 no. What they said was, they bade stone them with stones. Ooh. Now I know why when you call yourself a person of faith, you get stoned. You're trying to teach people how to live and walk by faith, you're stoned, you're, you're, you're criticized as a heretic, or name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. You know why? Because they don't understand. Now, I'm not going to deny the fact there are those that have run with this teaching and they've taken it to extremes and misused it, abused it, etc., etc. That doesn't take away from what's true. What I'm reading to you is true. They said, we're going to stone you guys. Can you imagine someone saying, don't say you can't do it. Don't say we can't make it in. God's on our side. We can do it. Well, let's pull together and work together with God and let's do it. And they want to stone you for saying that. Oh, my goodness. Really? And so look what happened. You want to talk about moving heaven? Look at the next part of the verse. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. You know what that tells me? 
God had to move heaven to defend them or they were going to kill them. They were going to stone them to death because they said, we could do it. Their defenses departed from them, even though it was. So what happens? The glory of God appears to protect Joshua and Caleb from a stoning, from being stoned to death. Now you're ready for something? Look at the next verses. Look at these next verses. This is now God speaking. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people provoke or despise me? Wow. How long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed them? Stop right there for a moment. All the signs, all the wonders that they saw. People say, well, if we just see a miracle, then we will believe God for anything. Really? They saw 10 plagues that shook the most powerful nation to its foundation. They saw an unfolding of the power of God like never displayed before on this planet. And every single one of the plagues that came against, the, those 10 plagues that came against Egypt came against every false God that they depended on for their livelihood and existence. The Nile River God, Isis, Asis, and Hanum, those three were the gods over the Nile River that they just worshipped. Well, guess what? It turned to blood. And their gods had no power over it whatsoever. And whether it's the flies, the moraine, and the frogs, and, and the, everything just goes on, and the hail, and the heat, everything, all ten of those plagues, the darkness, and finally the death of the firstborn, came against every one of the false gods of the Egyptians. And you ready for this? Think this through. Ten, in Bible numerology, is the number of completeness. Just like the Ten Commandments reveal to us the completeness of the law of God for man. If we follow the Ten Commandments, in other words, he says, look, these here, these four here, your relationship with me. And these six here outline your relationship with other people. And this encompasses all the law of God. So it's completeness. So when he said those ten plagues were sent to defy all the gods of the Egyptians, it was complete. He completely showed himself to be greater, to be stronger, to be more powerful than all the gods of the Egyptians. And you want to go back there? Every single one of those plagues culminating with the death of the firstborn, you saw. You saw as you came through the wilderness, my presence was a cloud by day and a fire by night. I'm the one that brought you out. I'm the one that protected you. I'm the one, the one that kept you from the sun and burning. I'm the one that kept you warm at night. I'm the one that brought 4,500 tons of manna from heaven every day to feed you. I'm the one that brought 11 million gallons of water out of a rock every day to satisfy your, your thirst needs. I'm the one who did all this for you. I brought you quail when you said you wanted meat, even though I thought you were crazy for asking for that. And the list goes on and on of all the signs, all the wonders, all the miracles you saw in the wilderness. And then how long is it going to take for you to believe my word. How long will it take for you to have faith in that what I said is true? Just because you have an obstacle in your way, and what are you going to do? Say it's bigger than I am? 
Let's read on. I will smite them with a pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. Oh, my. Wow. It brought God to a place where he moved in a powerful way to defend Joshua and Caleb for their faith from a stoning. And then he says, now it's time for me to unload. It's time for me to speak. Moses, I'm going to wipe them all out and raise up another nation under you. You know how many times God said that to Moses and Moses says, I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm not having more kids. I'm too old for that. But he said that. He said it more than once. Look at, pick it up at the next verse, 13, and right on through. And then Moses, because of what God said he wanted to do, Moses intercedes. Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians shall hear it. For thou brought us up this people in, the might from, in thy might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of a cloud and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if thou shalt kill all this people, you think he wanted to do it? I think so. As one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore unto them, therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let, thy, let the power of my Lord be great um, according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to a third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of thy mercy, and as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Boy, it'd be great to have a Moses on your side, wouldn't it? You realize he's talking to the creator of the universe? You realize that he's reminding him of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You remind him he's telling him, you're a God of great mercy and forgiveness. I know you want to kill them. I know you're angry. I know you're really wrath. You're just, I'm so upset with them right now. Your wrath is just burning you. You want to just destroy them. But he says, stop it. Stop talking like that. You got a covenant. You're merciful. You're forgiving. I want you to forgive all their iniquity from the time that you brought them out of Egypt to right now. I want you to forgive all that. Look at the next verse. What does God say? And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. What's the next word? But. <laughs> but. You know, there's a difference between forgiveness and consequences. If you commit a crime and you have to do the time, you may be forgiven, but you still have to do the time. Right? Absolutely. That's right. So God says, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness... And have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see 
the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me, really could be despised me, or in the wilderness, they provoke me, or they're not going to see it. They despise me. They're not going to see it. This is the consequence. They were forgiven. Thank God they were forgiven. But now judgment. By your words you'll be justified, or by your words you'll be judged or condemned. And now, here's the final judgment. You will not. You will not get into the promised land. The promised land is not heaven. You understand that? The promised land is a wonderful life on earth where you're waiting to go to heaven. And so what he's saying is, because of what you said, because of what you believe, how you rebelled against me, how you denied my word, my integrity. Okay, so now what? You're going to be on the outside and you're not going to make it in. And that's the bottom line. That's all there is to it. So as you can see that God forgave them, but judged them for their unbelief and rebellion. Notice the but that was there. You're forgiven, but this is the judgment. And you can't turn it. It's, it's, un, it's unconditional judgment. Look at the next word, verse. But. Now this is a good but. This is a positive but. See, all that was negative. This is positive. You can move heaven in a negative way with words. You can move in a positive way. But my servant Caleb... Because he had another spirit with him. Notice how he singles him out and hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereunto he went and his seed, his offspring shall possess it. He's going to go in. Oh, my goodness. Should we be studying how they failed to get in? I guess we should to get some insight as to what not to do. And what about studying what they, he did to get in? And notice how his children will get in also? And they'll get the promised land? Absolutely. Well, look at Caleb's words. He had a spirit of faith, not doubt and unbelief. He was not rebellious against God. He believed that God was bigger than the problem. Look at Numbers chapter 13. And let's rehearse those words again of Caleb. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said... What did he do? He said, what did he say? Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. That's what he said. And that what he said came from his heart, because he said, I brought back word as it was in my heart. You could almost say it like this. If you move back the curtain that separates the natural from the spiritual, you can see activity taking place in the spiritual realm that others can't see because they're on the natural side of it. Just like Daniel couldn't see Gabriel fighting for those three weeks with this prince of Persia. He didn't see that. When you and I speak the word of God and proclaim it and declare it and hold fast to it and refuse to let go of it, something is taking place in the spiritual realm. We may not have an insight as to all what's taking place, but something is happening. Something is taking place. Something is going on. Something is working on our behalf. Angels are getting, they're mounting up their horses or whatever they do. But they're getting ready to fight for us and defend us because we're holding fast to our declaration of faith. The greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. So Caleb said, we can do this. God's on our side. We can do this. I brought back word as it was in my heart. Well, now go on to chapter 14 of Joshua once again. He said, we're well able to conquer the land, even though he saw the same walls and saw the same inhabitants. And here's what he says again, we'll reiterate these two verses and then read some more. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. 
and I brought him word as it was in my neighbor's heart. Whose heart? So you can't borrow someone else's heart. Well, so-and-so said, that has nothing to do with it. What do you say? What do I say? He brought back word as it was in my heart. He says, nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly follow the Lord my God. And Moses swear on that day, saying, surely the land whereon thy feet had trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever. Because, and here's the reason why, thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. He's now 85. Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. Happy birthday, Caleb. As yet, I'm as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. You're 85 years old for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me. That's all it takes. Then I shall be able to drive them out. Notice these last words. As the Lord said. Oh, I cannot emphasize that enough. As the Lord said. You think it doesn't pay to know what the Lord said? We better know what the Lord said. Because everything from the devil, the world, and the flesh will come against our minds to tell us what they think and what they say. To distract us, to get us away from what God said. But he held fast to it. I can just see him, 85 years old. I'm ready to go, all dressed in his garb. I mean, he's ready for war. Give me my mountain, it belongs to me. He told me this 45 years ago. That's a long time to wait for your promise to come into manifestation. Listen to this. Between every promise and its manifestation is a wilderness. And the way we act in a wilderness will determine whether or not we experience the promise. If you act like they did, we can't do it because they're just two big giants and all that. There's no way we're going to make it and everything else. And there's wall cities and oh my goodness, what, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back. You want to know what's going to happen to you then? You'll see in a moment. Or you can say, like Joshua and Caleb, their defense has departed from them. They are bread for us to feed on. Praise God. He's bigger. He's greater. He's more powerful. Let's take the lamb. Now go to Numbers 14. Like I said, you're not going to get this in one teaching. This is heavy. And I'm telling you, it should impact every one of our lives. I guarantee it will, it will really cause the, the price, or, or it should cause the sale of duct tape to, uh, to escalate. Amen. Big time. Okay. Let's read it. How long shall I bear... With this is God speaking, with this evil congregation, which murmur against me. I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Say unto them, as truly as I live. You can't get more truly than that. 
saith the Lord. Here it is. As you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Oh, let me say that again. As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken. See, not someone else. You. In my ears, so will I do to you. So the question is, what do we want him to do to us? Listen. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, because they said they would. And all that were numbered among you, because they said that. According to your whole number from, now listen, 20 years old and upward. If you're 19, you are blessed. Thank God for being a teen. When that was pronounced. 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, 19 and under, which you have said would be a prey, them will I bring in. See, he's not holding them accountable. Them will I bring in. And they shall know the land which you have despised. For as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. And your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which you search the land, even 40 days each day for a year shall you bear your iniquities. Even 40 years and ye shall know my breach of promise. I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed and there they shall die. Oh, taking a deep breath. Wow. Is that powerful? That's what you said. That's what you get. So these people that say, oh, you name it, claim it, people. That's not how it goes. You believe that. You say that. You talk like that in the ears of God. And know what he says? That's what you're going to get. Now, you want to change the way you're thinking, believing and speaking and saying? You better, because if you don't, you're going to get what you say. Now, if that's not enough, these next verses should frighten us. And the men which Moses sent to search the land who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. Whoa. See, you know, my teaching mind I have to figure these things out. So I thought about it. Okay, I mean, they died by the plague. Now remember, we're talking about this elite group, these 10 spies that were the heads of all the, the, the tribes of Israel and 10 of them that made their hearts melt, 10 of them that brought up the evil report, 10 of them that said we can't do it and convinced everybody in the congregation, you can't do it, we can't do it, we can't do it, let's go back to Egypt, you can't do it. They were the teachers that influenced them. Want to be a teacher? They died by the plague. 
You got your notes there? I'm going to read it to you from John Gill's. This is John Gill's uh, commentary. John Gill says, Though the Jews, though the Jews differently relate the matter of their death, some say worms came out of their navels and up to their jaws and ate them and their tongues and others that they came out of their tongues and entered their navels, which they take to be a just retaliation for sinning with their tongues. Now, I don't know about you, but what would you rather have out of the mouth into the navel or out of the navel into the mouth? Any, anybody want to choose between those two? Why is it mouth, tongue, and navel? Mouth, heart. Which you believe in your heart and say with your mouth. It, tongue, their tongues and jaws were eaten out. And their navel was eaten out. Because they're the ones that were the spokespersons. They're the ones that voiced all the unbelief and said, you can't do it, you can't do it, we 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 can't do it. You see? He said, okay. You influenced all them? Now let them watch and see. And they ate out their tongues and jaws and their navel, heart and mouth. If that's not a lesson, I don't know what's a lesson. To, to learn, to be taught, and to teach. And also, it's frightening to think that you're a teacher. God's going to hold you to a higher place of accountability. Well, uh, before we look at our conclusion, which is Psalm 141 and verse 3, we don't have time to get, rid of, to get through it right now, but you know what these people did? To show you the mind of a man. Sometimes you wonder what's between the ears. Know what I mean by that? They said, oh, okay, if that's what's going to happen to us, We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll go now. We'll go take the land. And Moses says, don't do it now. Because if you do it now, the Ark of the Covenant is not going to go with you. The presence of God will not go before you. You see, you've been judged. It's unconditional. There's no possible way that you can escape this judgment. So guess what? Just sit back and just take whatever God has doled out to you. They said, oh, no, no, we're going to go do it. We're going to go do it. We're going to go do it. So they went on their own to go do it. And the Ark of the Covenant was left behind, and they all died. The ones that went got killed. And you just go, when God said to do it, he would fight for you, you didn't go. When God said, don't go, I'm not going to fight for you, you went. Is that mindless? It goes to show you just how human thinking is messed up. It was messed up. See? So, the conclusion is, we all need to know that what we believe in our heart and say with our mouth is important to God because he's listening to what we are saying. It's also important to know the natural report is not the evil report. The natural report is, hey, I've got to hurt. My, my arm hurts. That's the natural report. Nothing wrong with saying that. My arm hurts. But if you say, God can't heal it, that's the evil report. Don't say God can't heal it, God can heal it. Well, my finances aren't where they need to be, that's true, that's the natural report. But to say, there's no way God can get me out of this mess, that is the evil report. 
No, start saying what God said. I'm so afraid. I just I'm, I'm, I have feelings of fear right now. Okay, that's the natural report. Okay. There's no way God can deliver me from this fear. It's just too big. That's the evil report. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Yea, I will help thee, I will strengthen thee, uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness, is what God said. When you pass through the fire, you're not going to be burned, and the waters will not overflow you, because I am the Lord your God. That's what God said. David encouraged himself in the Lord at the lowest point of his life. You know what that means? He did exactly what I just did. I'm low, I'm down, but you, O Lord, are a shield. And let me just back that up. The psalmist said this. There are many that gather around you that say to you, there's no help for you in God. There's no help for you in God. It's coming from the devil, coming from the world, coming from the flesh. There's no help for you in God. There's no help for you in God. There's no help for you in God. But thou, O Lord, David said, are a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills which comes my help. I will call upon the Lord of lords and the King of kings and the mighty one of Israel. And he will deliver me. Hallelujah. He will. He's my deliverer. He's my helper. He's the strength of my life. I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. No weapon formed against me can prosper. In every tongue that shall rise against me in judgment, I will condemn and declare to be wrong. Isaiah 54, 17. You see the difference? Okay, let's throw up our last scripture here. Psalm 141 and verse 3. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. You know, David one time, you know what he said? Why should we do that? Because David one time just said, you know what? I said to myself, self, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to keep my tongue. I'm going to keep my mouth. I'm not going to say anything. And it, but it was musing within me. It was musing on the inside of me. And then finally I spoke with my mouth. He shouldn't have done it, but he did. Why am I saying that? Because that's easy. You can't do it on your own. Put a watch over my lips. Now, we're going to order a lot of duct tape for next Sunday. <laughs> if you don't get God's watch, we'll, we'll provide a watch for you. <laughs> and why am I saying that? Because we eat the fruit of our words. Death and life are in the power of the what? And they that love it shall do what? Eat. The Israelites, the ten spies, ate the fruit of their words. All the two and a half million that were there, 19 or 20 and older, ate the fruit of their words. And those 19 and under, because they sided with Joshua and Caleb, they ate the fruit of their words. What a difference. So the question is, you want to be among the majority or the minority? The minority. Only Joshua and Caleb made it in. Moses and Aaron, Moses was denied because he did something else silly, foolish. If you don't stand with me, I will never quit this morning.